It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios. Welcome, Sandy. Thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. You and you still like me or you or you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You all right? <laughs> I'm a musician. I can't help it. Uh, longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. Hello, I'm Cecile Richards, President of Planned Parenthood Federation of America. I want to be really clear. The allegation that Planned Parenthood profits in any way from tissue donation is not true. But STEM Express, Absolutely which is not. one of the companies you work with, they have a brochure where it talks about the financial profits, the financial well, benefits. STEM Express is a for-profit company. That's not Planned Parenthood. We are a 100% non-profit company. We but it talks about the financial benefits to the clinics. Well, there are no financial benefits to the absolutely clinics. Absolutely Absolutely. Absolutely. I feel like there's clinics out there that have been burnt that feel like they're doing all this work for research and they haven't, it hasn't been profitable for them. Really? No, do you feel that way? Sorry, that was... Oh, I thought you were saying that. Yeah, no. no. Okay, good. I, yeah, I was going to yeah. say, I, I don't see that either. And, and if they can do a little better than break even and do so in a, in a way that, you know, seems reasonable, they're yes. happy to do that. I think the per item thing works a little better just because we can see how much we can get out of it. If we alter our process mm -hmm. and we are able to obtain intact fetal cadavers, it's all just a matter of line items. Mm -hmm. What did that reimbursement go towards? I mean, it's, you know, it's very clear what it is. It's, it's uh, getting samples, getting samples, getting samples. Well, why don't you start by telling me what you used to pay? Uh, you know, in negotiations, a person who throws up the figure first is at a loss, right? So, <laughs> I want a Lamborghini. <laughs> I said, I want a Lamborghini. <laughs> Don't we all, right? Yeah, exactly. We have independent colleagues who generate a fair amount of income. All right, Sandy Rios with you. That was the voice of Cecile Richards. Uh, the former president of Planned Parenthood claiming that uh, absolutely they were not selling baby body parts. And uh, she was responding to videos, undercover videos, that were made by a young, uh, very young uh, guy who spent 30 months uh, going undercover in Planned Parenthood, taping their medical directors, their national program directors, and even the senior director of medical services, and finding out that that was not true. We played tapes for you at the time, uh, David's tapes, where... It exposes the fact that they were harvesting brain and liver and heart and lungs uh, from fetuses, from babies that were uh, unborn and sometimes even live unborn babies doing horrendous things. Uh, David got hours and hours of video, and of course those videos were released. Uh, but what happened after that was the attorney general of the state of California went after him, colluding with Planned Parenthood to charge him with felonies. Uh, and his name was David Dalyden, and the attorney general at the time in California was Kamala Harris. And so uh, that's how this all began. And today, what we want to talk about, that was the beginning of breaking the story. Something like 20 million people saw David Dalyden's videos on uh, YouTube. 
And as a result, there was a huge uproar. I was on the front row seat of that uproar trying to get Congress uh, to do something. But they were scared to death of a government shutdown because they might lose an election, you see. And so they did nothing. That was one of the greatest uh, disappointments of my life in public office or in public life, um, working and living in D.C. Uh, But as a result of that, uh, they formed a committee uh, to investigate what David Dalyden had found. And so today what I want to do is update you on what's happened to David Dalyden. I want to update you on uh, what happened in the Trump administration in regard to this kind of research and experimentation and what's happening now with the uh, Joe Biden administration. We think about the horrors in Afghanistan. That's nothing compared to the horrors that the Biden administration is instituting on unborn babies. And so stay tuned. My guest is March Bell. March has been in D.C. for a long time. He has just an incredible resume. He happens to be a very good friend of mine, but that has nothing to do with me asking him today because he's front and center in this issue. Uh, March has worked uh, in his life as, a, as an attorney on uh, um, a lot of complex issues like organized crime, human trafficking. He's done a lot of litigation of the terrorists at Guantanamo Bay. He's had so many positions and uh, researched so many different areas that uh, I, don't, I couldn't possibly tell you all of them. But I want to tell you that he was the chief counsel and staff director of that select panel on infant lives, which is the a congressional committee that was appointed, uh, chaired by Marsha Blackburn, who was at the time a congresswoman, to investigate these Dal Leiden videos and what that was all about. He also, uh, we'll talk about his other, actually, position, because then he worked, went to work for the Trump administration as the chief of staff and senior advisor in the Office of Civil Rights at HHS. And that'll make sense to you in a minute. I picked that uh, one of his titles out on purpose. We'll tie that in a little bit later. But right now, <laughs> let me just pause, take a breath, and say, March, thanks. March Bell, thanks for joining us this morning. Glad to be with you. Okay, so March, uh, you're, you've been pro-life, you and your wife, for years. Um, so this is very important to you personally. Uh, but So when you were asked to chair, uh, to be the chief of staff, or chief, chief counsel and staff director for this committee, what was your task? What were you going to try to do? That's a great question. Uh, the first thing we were going to try to do uh, was find out uh, whether the, the uh, tape uh, that uh, David Delayden had released revealed a violation of a uh, statute that was passed in 1993, uh, 18 U.S.C. 356, that makes it uh, illegal to profit from the transfer of uh, fetal tissue. Uh, the Congress needed a legitimate legislative purpose, and the question uh, before us was, uh, did any of the conduct uh, that we saw uh, in those tapes or any other conduct uh, violate that statute? The statute makes it unlawful uh, to profit from the transfer of the tissue. It's not unlawful to donate a tissue, but it's unlawful to make a profit. So that was our primary uh, primary task to investigate and determine whether there were violations of federal law. And uh, this is part of Congress's oversight uh, function. It's uh, educating itself to see if there's more legislation needed, but also it's oversight over the Department of Justice, which has jurisdiction uh, to investigate crime. Okay, so in the in the performance of that duty, March, 
what kinds of people did you hear from? How deep did you go with this? Well, the first thing I did uh, was I uh, met with the leadership in the House, and I said, I need a forensic accountant. Uh, so I was able to obtain a one of the senior accountants that investigates how money uh, moves or doesn't move or is misused, waste, fraud, and abuse in the federal government. The General Accounting Office has oversight, as you know and your viewers may know, over how money is spent. So I obtained a gentleman from them for the entire year and a half, and he was going to look at the records that we obtained through our investigation and evaluate whether those records revealed conduct that would violate uh, making the law against making a profit. So in order to do that, the first thing we had to clarify was our the range of our subpoena authority. So we issued uh, altogether uh, dozens of subpoenas uh, to Planned Parenthood, to organizations that procure fetal tissue, to universities that purchase fetal tissue, uh, and we subpoenaed their bank records and their business records. We also made records requests at NIH and other parts, such as the FDA, of the Department of Health and Human Services. And you had a lot of personal... Didn't you have David Dalyden testify also? Uh, David did not testify uh, in any of our hearings, uh, but David uh, was asked to provide us with all of his records. Uh, normally, we would either subpoena those or in the case of a, of a witness who wanted to voluntarily submit them, we say, uh, we're Congress, we're investigating, we can subpoena these things. So we actually did end up uh, issuing a subpoena to, uh, to David, to his lawyer, and he then provided us with every videotape, every record, every conversation he had, uh, which was really hundreds and hundreds of hours of undercover video. You know, it's looking back on uh, that year and a half of your life. I know you've been around the block a bit, March, and you've seen a lot of things. Was there anything that came out that really was? I know that you were the attorney, so you're objective, and you 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 think of things in a legal in legal terms, uh, not necessarily emotional, and yet you have emotion about this. Was there any point in that trial where you learned things that were really uh, disturbing to you? I think the most uh, the two most disturbing things are. Uh, and, and, and still are, that uh, though Planned Parenthood uh, does a lot of abortion, uh, they also do a lot of other medical services that they bill uh, Medicaid for, uh, state and federal, uh, and they have a lot of money for public advocacy, and they appear to be very wealthy. But in fact, we found that the profit margin on an individual abortion, it's smaller than we thought. We thought the abortions were their big sort of cash profit center, but they're actually, their profit center is doing medical tests and all kinds of other things. The big surprise was that selling fetal tissue from an abortion tripled or quadrupled the profit to the center. And by profit, I mean money in excess of expenses. Uh, uh, tripled or quadrupled the income to an individual clinic uh, 
uh, to the abortion and the other tests that were performed. So it really was, in business terms, a profit center. Wow. The other uh, uh, thing that we learned through a scientist that we hired as a consultant was that uh, for virtually all research, uh, there's an alternative to fetal tissue. Uh, you could use cord blood or placenta cells uh, and so on, uh, which are uh, able to be made into the types of stem cells and the types of tissue uh, that can be used for research. In other words, this industry is for the convenience of scientists and for the profit of Planned Parenthood, not medically necessary for research. So, March, you finish and you have, you you submit this really uh, very thorough report, and I'm assuming I'm assuming based on what you just said, because that sounds like that in fact does break the statute that you mentioned earlier that earlier that says you cannot profit from the sale of baby body parts. So, I'm assuming that were criminal referrals were there? Yes, criminal we made we made all together. Uh, we made about uh, a dozen criminal referrals. Uh, to in part to the U.S. Department of Justice, but also to some uh, state attorneys general and to some county uh, uh, prosecutors uh, who had clinics or tissue procurement companies in their district. And those referrals were lengthy legal letters. They were the letters the letters that were similar to the memo that I would write to my supervisor when I was a criminal trial attorney in order to outline uh, a case. They weren't just uh, sort of, oh, by the way, we found this bad stuff. Would you take a look at it? No, they and, were. And uh, there's the music. Five. So so did anything, anything ever get prosecuted? Yes, there was some prosecution. There was prosecution, uh, in, uh, actually two in California, which shut down a large uh, procurement uh, clinic and caused the California uh, California Planned Parenthood to pull back, at least temporarily, from providing the tissue. Okay, so something, something came from it, but not as much as you would hope, I'm sure. When we return, I'm going to give a brief update on what's happened to David Dalyden, and you can probably add to that too, March. But I want to pivot to your time with the Trump administration and the kinds of rules that you guys wrote at HHS to put a stop to this. And then we want to transition into what... President Biden is doing Sandy Rios in the morning, AFR Talk. Aria is suffering for the gospel. Hey, it's Michael Woolworth with Bible League International. Aria lives in the Middle East in a radical Muslim family. She accepted the invitation of a Christian friend to attend a weekly Bible study and eventually received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. She took her Bible study booklet home, hiding it in her room before her mother found it and gave it to her father. He beat young Aria nearly to death and called the officials to report her as an infidel. They took her to a remote cell where they assaulted her and the Christian friend and eventually let them go. Now, these two women, they didn't grow bitter. They grew bold, and together they've seen hundreds come to Christ in the Middle East where it's nearly impossible to get a Bible. And that's why Bible League is inviting you to send God's Word to Bibleist believers around the globe at only $5 a Bible. $100 sends 20, every gift matched. Call 800 Yes Word. 800 Yes Word, or click sendbiblesnow.org. That's sendbiblesnow.org. And God bless you for caring. This is Pause to Pray, 
a chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today we pray for Javier Becerra, United States Secretary of Health and Human Services. Secretary Becerra is the principal advisor to the President on all health matters. 3 John chapter 1, verse 2 reminds us of God's blessings of health. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask you to guide Javier Becerra as he advises the President. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Stern. Stand by for news and commentary next. No matter your career goals, you want to find a university that provides excellent academics and state-of-the-art facilities at a price you can afford. At Liberty University, they believe a quality Christian education should be available to everyone. That's why they've frozen their tuition rates through the 2021-2022 academic year and offer multiple scholarships, like the Middle America Scholarship, to bring that price point even lower. Learn more by texting STARNS to the number 49596. Remember what the medical experts told us when the China virus first became national news? They needed to shut down the country for two weeks to flatten the curve. That was it, two weeks. So we all agreed to follow the advice of the experts. Two weeks became four weeks, then became six, and now nearly two years later, we are on the verge of yet another shutdown. Instead of herd immunity and flattening the curve, the medical experts are telling us we have to get vaccinated, even though we know the vaccine in many cases is not working. New York City is implementing a vaccine passport. If you don't show your papers, you won't be able to get a slice down at John's Pizza on Bleecker. And we are on the verge of yet another possible shutdown, sacrificing our freedom on the altar of public safety. The virus did not kill liberty. We, the people, did. Be sure to order a copy of my new book, Our Daily Biscuit, available right now at ToddSterns.com. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. I thought I was going to be just drawing blood, not procuring tissue from aborted fetuses. They part of a Planned Parenthood and they get part of the money. So, um, I was talking to Mary about what I'm trying to offer to clinics as a procurement service, and she said, you know all about this. You know, you can imagine where they would run with this, like, they're selling body parts, you know. So I say, okay, what are your, what are you looking to supply today? We were asked to procure uh, certain tissues, like brain, liver, thymus, pancreas, heart, lungs, skin, pretty much anything on the, on the fetus. A lot of people want to attack parts of the day they're looking for specific nodes, maybe nodes, essay. I was like, wow, I, I didn't even know. Good for them. I remember leaving that day, like, what have I got myself into? Yesterday was the first time she said people wanted longer. And then she felt like I said, always as many attack livers as possible. So I don't want to sound like a salesman here, but I'm going to. So we return a portion of our fees mm -hmm. to the clinic. Oh. Yeah, and so if we alter our process mm -hmm. and we are able to obtain 
intact fetal cadavers. It's all just a matter of line items. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, I mean if you had intact cases, which we've we've done a lot, so we sometimes ship those back to our lab in its entirety. Tell the lab it's coming. Yeah. Did I open the box? Oh, God. <laughs> and, All right, I'm going to interrupt that. That's a that's that a, a another portion of David Dalton's undercover video. We played so much of that uh, when it broke, uh, and uh, we're talking to Marcia Bell, who was the uh, chief counsel for the committee in the. In the House, uh, chaired by Marsha Blackburn, that investigated that. I have to say, just personally, th to me, this is one of the biggest fails of uh, the Republican leaders uh, it, when they were in control. Uh, they just did nothing, really. The, the, the committee did great work. March did great work. Marsha Blackburn oversaw great work. But uh, by the time, there was just nothing to—there there weren't teeth. There were not ways of politically punishing— uh, Planned Parenthood and the Democrats who support them so thoroughly for doing what they did. So David L. Leiden, uh put his life on the line and his future, certainly. We know that his home was raided. Kamala Harris, again, was the uh, attorney general in the state of California at the time, and he was charged with nine felonies. And by the way, this is still ongoing. Uh, these being represented by the Thomas More Society and our good friend Tom Brecca, uh, if uh, David is not clear to these charges, he faces steep fines and years in a state penitentiary. And also, of course, the consequences of being a convicted felon. Meanwhile, Kamala Harris is, you know, jetting the globe, oh, I think soon to be in Vietnam, as vice president of the United States. And so, uh, March, I know that you keep in touch with uh, David Dalyden. Any other word about that before we move to the next thing? No, uh, it clearly was the political prosecution. Kamala Harris did that raid at a time uh, of the primary uh, in California, and she wanted to get uh, approval uh, from Planned Parenthood, and that was how she got it. She got their endorsement uh, to run for higher office. And uh, so she was, uh, she clearly made not a prosecutorial decision I think the law there, uh, and many other people do, prosecuting David Ender is unconstitutional, uh, but we'll see what happens. Yeah. All right. So that's the update on that. It's an important update because so many of us were vested in that emotionally and mentally. It was just such a—we thought for sure we could stop this, and yet uh, the tables have been turned. Uh, but the fight goes on. And so March Bell is my guest, and March uh, went to work for the Trump administration— as the chief of staff and senior advisor in the Office for Civil Rights, and that was in the Department of Health and Human Services. That was under Secretary Alex Azar and under our good friend Roger Severino, who, is the, who was the director of the Office for Civil Rights. So, March, uh, uh, you, did, you guys did a lot of things. In fact, I have to tell people, in general, when you hear about so many wonderful things that President Trump did in regard to protecting life, I would say probably 75 to 90 percent of that happened in Roger Severino and March Bell's office. And so, March, let's talk up specifically about the kinds of things that you guys did to stop what Planned Parenthood and others were doing uh, in regard to fetal tissue. Uh, there were two big uh, uh, successes uh, during the Trump administration. The first one was uh, that the secretary of HHS ordered uh, NIH to stop procuring uh, any fetal tissue and um, and to stop paying for the procurement of fetal tissue. Now, 
NIH uh, has billions of dollars a year, and uh, we thought some would slip through the cracks, and they did. Uh, but that was the order that went out. That was one big achievement. The second one was uh, that we set up a panel of 15 uh, people, including scientists, members of the clergy, people uh, who study bioethics, to review every incoming grant to the National Institute of Health that requested uh, procurement of fetal tissue as part of that grant's research. So they were all reviewed by the panel of 15. The deliberations were secret, uh, but once they were assembled, they never approved another grant uh, that had any uh, use uh, included in the proposal for fetal tissue. Now, that grant had a majority of uh, uh, votes uh, for all of these decisions, and they uh, voted down all the proposals that came in. That uh, panel was uh, disbanded. Uh, after the election, when uh, the Obama administration came in, they they said your services will no longer be required. So there's no longer a review at HHS of any kind prior to awarding uh, a grant that uses fetal tissue and research. So that, in addition to the fact that, uh, according to what I'm reading, March on uh, Friday, April the 16th, and honestly. I, my confession is, as much as I care about this issue, I don't think I ever reported this because the news is coming like a flood. So better late than never, because President Joe Biden, uh, just a few months after swearing the oath of office, uh, he re- his, his health and human service uh, reversed that decision to that all research applications for NIH IH grants and contracts Proposing the use of human fetal tissue from elective abortions will be reviewed by the Ethics Advisory Board. They reversed that in April, and so is right. Um, and and so uh, as a result of that, what what do you expect? Is there any kind of restriction other than the statute that you mentioned early on about not being able to profit from selling baby body parts? Are there any restrictions at all existing besides that on research on fetal tissue? Well. Uh, in in reality, uh, no. There uh, are uh, a couple of processes that could restrict it a little bit. Um, the all grant proposals have to be reviewed by something called an institutional review board. All universities that do research have these, and they have to approve uh, the use of uh, any human tissue uh, in research. Uh, of any kind, and uh, they would potentially be a place where somebody could say, no, 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 you you don't need to do it this way. Use some other source. Uh, but that's a very invisible process to the political uh, political decision-making and to the public, and it's very difficult to imagine that very many roadblocks, if any, exist to using fetal tissue in research. And actually, from from all accounts, it's just gotten worse. I mean, it's horrible, in fact. And I want to play for our listeners a video that just came, came to my attention a few days ago. Uh, this is a uh, uh, kind of little mini-documentary on what's happening at the University of Pittsburgh. It's really ironic, March, that Pennsylvania should be, it seems, the epicenter of this kind of research. It was the home of Kermit Gosnell. Uh, the movie was made on his 
horrendous performance of abortions, and we could talk about that. But then we have a president who, you know, brags about his Pennsylvania roots. It's just not that that's his, all of that's his fault. It's just very interesting that's all coming out of that state. And so I want people to hear, at least in part, what's happening right now with Joe Biden as president at the University of Pittsburgh. Let's play clip four. The University of Pittsburgh is a hub for some of the most barbaric experiments carried out on late-term aborted human infants. Experiments funded by the United States government. At the same time, the university sponsors the local Planned Parenthood abortion business in what looks like an illegal quid pro quo for fetal body parts. This photo from an experiment published by Pitt scientists in 2020 shows the scalps of five-month-old aborted babies grafted onto the backs of lab rats growing the aborted baby's hair on the rodents. The Pittsburgh scientists describe these aborted baby scalps as full thickness human fetal skin cut from the heads and backs of the babies, then processed via removal of excess fat underneath the baby's skin before stitching it onto the rats. How was this paid for? With a nearly half a million dollar research grant from Dr. Anthony Fauci's NIAID office at the NIH. It gets worse. This photo is from a protocol developed by another pit scientist for harvesting the freshest, most pristine livers from five-month-old aborted babies in order to isolate massive numbers of stem cells for experimental transplantation into adults. You can see the premature baby aborted alive via labor induction under surgical drapes with the umbilical cord off to one side as the baby is cut open to harvest the liver. The Pitt scientist who invented this experiment received nearly $3 million from the NIH. Third, the GoodMap project is a multi-year $1.4 million grant to the University of Pittsburgh from the NIH. The grant makes Pitt a distribution hub for aborted fetal kidneys and other fetal body parts for NIH-funded projects across the country. That's just a portion of that video, and that is the University of Pittsburgh. It's Pennsylvania. It just goes on to talk about how the University of Pennsylvania is like the epicenter of this kind of research and how it goes back uh, several decades. It didn't just start, but it has accelerated under the Biden administration. March, that's so hard to listen to. And I think one of the things that strikes me is that they're, the, the illustration they gave of the baby that was alive and they were taking, uh, you know, it's it, one of its organs out. I mean, that has to be, isn't that illegal? Isn't that illegal? That's not even illegal. Once the baby uh, is born, uh, all constitutional rights uh, are attached, and uh, they would need a uh, all the protections of experimentation on human subjects would apply once the baby's born. In many cases, as you know, um, the babies are uh, sometimes uh, because of the uh, uh, factory type approaches in Planned Parenthood or in abortion clinics as well as Planned Parenthood clinics, the babies often are delivered uh, alive. They do what the OBGYNs call, they just present. Other babies, of course, are dealt with uh, in utero. But when they need a particular part, uh, our evidence was that the method of the abortion is changed uh, to get the baby in a position where they can harvest that part. And uh, there was a doctor we investigated in California that needed uh, to transplant hearts into rats, uh, uh, fetal hearts, to 
he needed the babies uh, delivered alive. So he could remove the heart, take them on ice a few blocks away, and transplant them into a, a rat. And this is all, you can see this on on YouTube. This doctor has been on, on the talk shows, and his whole, whole presentation was, I can grow uh, fetuses, I can grow body parts uh, inside a live animal for transplantation. So many of the experiments now require... Uh, very recently delivered or live uh, delivered abortions. And, of course, those do violate the law uh, because once the baby is outside the birth canal, they're, uh, they're completely a person. This is defined in a federal statute and all the rights uh, obtained. So what those doctors did was uh, violated state laws against homicide. They violated all the laws against getting consent from a live person uh, and uh, just uh, disgusting criminal behavior. We also have to mention uh, what they mentioned, and that is Dr. Anthony Fauci, who heads the NIAID uh, section of the National Institutes for Health. Uh, Of course, he's been in the news a lot, you might say. And uh, the fact that the NIAID funded this much of this uh, activity at the University of Pennsylvania reminds me of Dr. Anthony Fauci uh, funding gain-of-function research uh, without, when it was halted here in the United States, sending it over to the Wuhan lab and still funding it with these funds. And that is, you know, experimenting with trying to make the COVID virus uh, transmissible, more transmissible from uh, animals to humans and to create uh, a virus that was even more virulent uh, in order to s- somehow they want to convince us to control it. That's the same but different. Uh, it sounds like we, okay, this is really extreme. What I'm going to say, everybody brace yourselves. This is me talking. It sounds like Joseph Mengele, not not a doctor practicing in the United States. So when we come back, um, at, uh, March, let's talk about Dr. Fauci's involvement in this. And then let's talk about also Uh, That whole notion of there being fetal tissue in this COVID vaccine, I think that's kind of a mystery to some people. Even when you read it, you're not quite sure what it means. So perhaps you can explain that to us. Archibald is my guest. By the way, that are um, the video about what's happening at the University of Pennsylvania. We'll put it on our Facebook page so that you can see it. It's pretty hard to watch. Um, We'll be right back. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. For those who follow Jesus, there's nothing better than to treasure hiding God's Word in your heart. I'm Charles Morris, inviting you this week to join me for a series called Hiding God's Word. May this be a blessing to us all. Haven Today, weekday mornings at 4.30 Central on American Family Radio. Listen online at AFR.net. The Gospel. What I heard on the radio, you guys have changed my life. Vital information. My kids and I are so thankful for you, and we love your news and everything that you'll give out. God is using American Family Radio to transform American culture. We'd love to hear your story. Call 877-876-8893. That's 877-876-8893. 
you might hear yourself on the air during our share October 12th, 13th, and 14th. What is the source of America's greatness? My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Alexis de Tocqueville, a 19th century French political thinker and philosopher, had this exact same question. On the heels of the French Revolution, he came to America in 1831 to investigate America's ascendancy. In doing so, he found that America's greatness did not lie in her economic system. It did not lie in her banking system, nor did it lie in her educational system. He found America's pulpits aflamed with righteousness was the source of America's greatness. He opined that America is great because she is good. But when America ceases to be good, she will cease to be great. Let us pray for a restoration of the flame of righteousness in our pulpits. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Did you know that over 62 million babies have been aborted since Roe versus Wade? Every single one of these babies' lives was dear and precious. Why isn't the world declaring these babies as lost? Here's Dan Steiner, the president of Preborn, a ministry dedicated to saving babies' lives from abortion through ultrasound. I sense God's broken heart over the issue of abortion. You see, he sees every little baby that's being formed in the mother's womb, and it breaks his heart to see when the lifetime that he has planned for them is taken from them violently so often. The Ministry of Preborn is the largest provider of free ultrasounds in the country, introducing women considering abortion to their precious preborn baby. By letting a mother see her baby on ultrasound and hear the heartbeat, she'll choose life 80% of the time. To find out more, go to preborn.com or dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 and say baby. This is Frank Afney with the Secure Freedom Minute. Dr. Lee Ming-Yun is a courageous virologist who fled her native Hong Kong last year to warn Americans that the COVID-19 virus is a product of the Chinese Communist Party's biological warfare program. Her research indicates that it was deliberately unleashed in furtherance of the CCP's long-standing goal of global domination. Unfortunately, such warnings have been discounted or ignored by the Biden administration. A new study by its highly politicized intelligence community couldn't identify the source of the ongoing pandemic. This much is clear. The Chinese communists have immensely benefited from the virus at our expense. Consider just one example of its knock-on effects. Frontline Air Force pilots are resigning rather than accede to mandatory COVID vaccination orders. This is no time to decimate our military. Given the CCP's ambitions and conduct, we're going to need every warrior and a proper war footing. This is Frank Gaffney. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Facebook or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. Here's what we know just from the publicly available sources. One, Planned Parenthood abortionists supply the aborted fetuses to Pitt. Two, Pitt uses its access to the fetuses to get major NIH grant money. Three, Pitt sends major kickbacks and medical resources back to Planned Parenthood. It all starts to look suspiciously like an illegal quid pro quo over aborted fetal organs and body parts, all funded by taxpayers. And funded by the uh, 
National Institute for the NIAID, which is headed by Anthony Fauci. And I made the point uh, before we took the break that this reminds me a great deal of him spending hundreds of thousands of dollars in uh, research, gain-of-function research, to merge, you know, and to try to create a more virulent COVID uh, strain uh, by using animals and human tissue together. He offshored that to uh, Wuhan when it was outlawed or not allowed any further in the United States. And so here we have this common denominator. Now he's funding, uh, he's funding uh, the research. If you just tuned in, the University of Pennsylvania uh, one of the things that was highlighted in the video was taking babies' scalps and back tissue and superimposing them on rats. And then it's the picture is of hair growing on the rat that's really the babies. This is bizarre. So, um, March, I would just love to know your thoughts about that. And then further, what you know about the use of fetal tissue in the development of these uh, COVID vaccines. Well, you, you raised an interesting challenge for our time, and that is uh, with uh, uh, big research institutes, uh, there are probably uh, the Wall Street Journal cites 10 big universities in the United States, the most prestigious universities that have partnerships with big pharma uh, uh, corporations, and the competition is very aggressive uh, and very serious. Everybody can make a lot of money if a new drug or a new uh, treatment is developed. The university makes a lot of money. The professors there make a lot of money. And the company, of course, does also. They're all in competition with each other. And they've discovered that uh, uh, if they sort of uh, uh, ignore normal human sensibilities on ethics and morality, uh, they can get there faster. They can win the competition. And one of those uh, approaches is to use fetal tissue in all kinds of new ways. The type of thing that uh, you saw uh, with the baby hair growing on the back of the rat could be uh, just to test a scalp treatment on babies. It could be to develop a shampoo ingredient for baby shampoo. It could be just as insignificant as that. One time, fetal tissue was used to make mice have a response to flavors so that uh, uh, researchers could tell how bitter or sweet an ingredient could be, and so on. They put baby uh, baby cells uh, into the mice for that. So the list just goes on and on and on. And this competition, this desire for wealth and success really has taken first place over any sort of bioethical consideration. All right, so to the vaccine then, because I I talk about this a lot, March. I mean, there's so much money being made off of forcing people to take shots. Um, And we know that a lot of the people behind this, uh, there are some unhealthy alliances like Bill Gates and uh, Anthony Fauci and others. Uh, There's just tons of money, and it just makes... uh, you wonder, you know, and so I, 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 and in, in addition to that, the ethical uh, um, uh, implication of you using fetal tissue in the vaccine. Now, can you? I know. I think it's just one vaccine that uses it, but I cannot explain the connection. Can you? Sure. It's uh, there's two big categories: research and development, and then production and manufacturing. So, in on the research and development side. 
you have uh, the universal use in every lab in the country of what's called lab mice. One type of lab mice mouse is a skid mouse. It's SCID. That's a mouse with a that's been engineered with a genetic a deficiency. It's then further modified by putting cells uh, into the back of that mouse. They can turn the mouse into having a, a human immune system. Those m- mice are then used uh, to test medicines and vaccines to see what the mouse's response. These mice cost anywhere from two or three dollars to an un- for an unmodified mouse up to thousands and tens of thousands per mouse for an engineered mouse. So they're engineering these mice to act like they were have a human system of some kind. Now, uh, Pfizer uh, uh, used this type of mouse in their research and development phase. Uh, they used a cell line uh, called the HEK-296, uh, I believe. It would be 293, but the HEK cell line, which came from an aborted fetus uh, from, and from the Netherlands in the 1970s. That uh, aborted fetus uh, was uh, developed cell lines, and those cell lines are, uh, are, were put into rat, uh, mice, and they used that to test the vaccine to see what the response would be to it. Uh, that's the manufacturing or the development side. On the manufacturing side, Pfizer and Moderna did not use uh, 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 tissues from fetal tissue to manufacture their vaccines. So there are no fetal tissue cells in those two vaccines. Johnson & Johnson, on the other hand, did use fetal tissue in the manufacturing and uh, uh, production of their vaccine. So it's likely, uh, that, uh, as this would say, that there are some cells from fetal fetal cell lines in the Johnson Johnson vaccine. The, the particular cell line they use is called the PER.C6. So um, people have raised ethical questions. They've written about these things. Some have dis- discerned between a research phase and the development phase in the way they've thought about it in terms of ethics. But in the research phase, all of those skid mice, SCID, could have been modified using adult stem cells and achieved exactly the same goal. And we know this is true because the, uh, some of the biggest breakthroughs in medicine on infant diseases like Zika, Zika was not uh, figured out by taking uh tissue from aborted Zika-infected babies. It was used, they used adult cells, adult stem cells, modified them, and did the research to uh, find a cure for Zika. So, a real breakthrough. So, it's not necessary to use fetal tissue in either of these types of vaccines, either the Pfizer-Moderna type or the Johnson & Johnson type. You know, uh, March, this takes me back to the years of uh, President um, President Bush uh, when Chuck Olson was still living. And, of course, your lovely wife, my dear friend, Mariam, was his policy advisor. And we all got involved on fighting this fetal tissue research. Johnny Erickson Tata also. 
And we pushed back on it, and it was during that time that that was the first that it came to my attention that there were other ways you could use fetal, uh, you didn't have to use fetal tissue. There were other, there were stem cells that were in the uh, other places. You didn't have to use them. And it just confirms what you just said. But this conversation has been going on since then, and maybe before that, that I know about. I want to talk, go ahead. Well, before that, I just would add one fact that many people do not know. That is that the placenta is not a maternal organ. Placenta is an uh, a infant or a fetal organ. And placenta cells are used widely in research all over the country in all kinds of research and could have easily been used in these vaccine research projects. You know, it's amazing, March. This is philosophical, but it, it, it always stuns me as long as I've been at this. And honestly, it, it really is when I was 21 and I saw, inadvertently saw pictures of aborted babies in a drawer at Berlin Brigade. I was just looking for a pad of paper and, and abortion was not even familiar to me at that time. And I saw those pictures. That's really what broke my heart and uh, got me, set me on the path that I've been on all these many decades um, but it always amazes me still at how much the left loves abortion. It's like it's like a bloodthirst. You just described that this is not necessary, uh, and we've and I affirmed that uh, you know from a couple of decades ago, and yet they insist on the killing of newborn and the harvesting and all of these brutal you know without anesthetic these. Babies, you know, are uh, experimented with. It's, it is, it it is beyond comprehension how people who walk around in suits, all dressed up, with big smiles, could be this wicked. Well, I think you raise a very serious uh, point for all of us, which is that once you decide that your well-being, your health, and your success. It's the most important thing uh, in the universe. Uh, lots of other considerations over time get set aside. And uh, the argument is that the baby has to be sacrificed for the life and the well-being of others. And uh, this is not new. This has been going on in, in prehistoric times. This is a form of infant sacrifice. Yes, I don't think that's an exaggeration. And I remember hearing uh, our good friend Phyllis Schlafly say on more than one occasion, when I would say to her, Phyllis, how can they do this or that, whatever, whatever the topic was, because she didn't just talk about abortion, we would be talking, I said, Phyllis, how can they, how can they do this? And she said, if people are willing to kill babies, they will do anything. And uh, it's so, it, 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 it's a, it was a profound statement from her, one of her many I want to just to close with one mention because speaking of the Biden administration, uh, you probably know that they were trying to force uh, Christian doctors and hospitals to kill babies in abortion. In fact, it's a uh, you guys in the Department of Health and Human Services. This is before you were there, I think. I'm not sure. Uh, there was a t- provision in the Obamacare Section 1557 rule that redefined discrimination on the basis of sex to include pregnancy termination. Do you, do you know what I'm talking about? Yes, I can explain that, explain that very quickly. Okay, good. Uh, at, the end, at the end of the Obama administration, they issued a regulation uh, in, in, uh, in November 
after even after the election uh, that would have uh, required doctors and nurses to participate uh, in abortions and other procedures or be guilty of a uh, Title IX or discrimination charge. A judge in Texas uh, ruled in December that that, that, that was uh, an unconstitutional reading of a Title IX sex discrimination that wasn't intended for that. We then replaced that, we withdrew that Obama regulation in the spring after Trump took office, President Trump took office, and we wrote an alternative uh, uh, regulation that made it clear that doctors and nurses and others have conscience rights. They wouldn't be required to not only do abortions, but not participate in uh, uh, certain contraceptive procedures that are abortifacients or certain uh, LBGTQ uh, surgical uh, 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 practices. So uh, we once we published that regulation, clarifying that we were promptly sued all over the country, and it just shows how well organized uh, the abortion lobby is, uh, because they ha- we had lawsuits in all the likely places: um, San Francisco, Boston, New York, and. Uh, uh, and they enjoined that regulation, and we were litigating that. But now uh, our regulation will be withdrawn by the Biden administration, and they'll attempt to go back to that earlier practice. Yes. And so it's in court. In the courts, this is the second judge uh, that has upheld what you guys put in place. But there's no. Uh, but President Biden indicated before he ran, when he was running, that he would eliminate conscience protections for pro-life health care providers. And so it's just a glimpse into the potential future, probably not that far in the future. Uh, March Bell, thank you so much for joining us today and giving us so much of your time and for all of your efforts uh, to try to do the right thing. To And so, you know what, the right thing is never in vain. And so we just will let uh, the record show that we fought as hard as we could in the times in which we lived, and that's what you've been doing. This is Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association 